Welcome to Wallachia. Previously, Marley has returned home from studying in Transylvania. The local castle is currently hosting Count Dracula and his guards, the Order of the Dragon. The day after the Count's arrival, a footman who works in the castle, Cornell, was murdered by what the town believes to have been a werewolf. Marley's friend Eon attended the wake along with Cornell's uncle, Eugen. Chapter 4. Evening Tea As a girl, Marley kept a tally of how many times she burnt her fingers helping out around the bakery. She'd lose count every few weeks, but in her head, she needed to reach at least 4,000 before she could catch up to Tata. To the great amazement of young Marley, her father could pick up very hot objects with his bare hands. He said it was from burning his hands so many times, which Marley had misinterpreted not as an unfortunate side effect of a lifetime of work, but as a challenge. Marley was just soaking her hand in a dish of water after her latest burn, and thinking about how she should probably add heat-resistant calluses to the list of things she'd never attain in her life when the little bell over the bakery's door rang. She looked up to see Kwasi come in. Nodding to her hand, he said, You okay there, Em? Tata keeps setting that box back there on fire, she said, pointing to the kitchen with a shake of her head. The oven? That's a technical name, yes. You're a shepherd, son. I didn't want to burden you with too much baker's jargon. Loreline had just finished arranging several loaves of bread into a perfect cone in the basket by the door. Without taking his eyes off Marley, Quasti nudged it just enough so that the bread pyramid toppled over. Loreline huffed, looked around to see if Tata was still in the kitchen, then picked up one of the loaves and hit Quasti in the arm with it. He went to grab for it, but Loreline moved out of the way. She checked the loaf to make sure it was undamaged, then put it back in the basket. Shouldn't you be off milking a sheep or knitting or something, said Loreline. I was just coming in to see if Marley was up for leaving the house today. She got off her stool dried her hand in her apron, and walked to the hook where her cane hung. The first few days home, she'd always kept it by her, but after every member of the family had tripped over it, she started hanging it up while sitting at the counter. I didn't mean right this minute, said Quasi. You'll need me to escort you safely out before Loreline has time to find a weapon, said Marley. She'd been waiting for just such a distraction. All morning she'd had this odd feeling, like she was being watched, or that someone was standing right behind her. Maybe some fresh air would help. Quasi opened the door for her, then turned to wave to Loreline, who stuck her tongue out at him. He went over to her, patted her on the head, ducked as she took a swing at him, then ran outside. Marley took a seat on the bench outside the bakery. There was a modest amount of traffic on the street. A few people were riding toward the castle on horseback. Someone was standing in the square, but the sun was shining in Marley's eyes so she couldn't see who it was. From around the corner came the sound of a cart heading their way. Closer to the shop, a few passers-by were having a conversation. Bet Count Dracula doesn't have to deal with all that. They have taxes in Transylvania. My cousin was there and said people were complaining about them. They don't have a sultan to give money to, though. They have an emperor. Don't really see the difference. Marley put Quasi with the end of her cane. So what's the job you needed me out of the house to help with? Swiping a painting from the castle? Stealing a golden fleece to sell in your shop? Just celebrating. Eon told me yesterday. He's going to be Nicolay's new assistant. We're getting dinner and drinks at the Sarda tonight. And Vasily is going to do a new part of his story. Think you can hobble all the way over there after sunset? He pointed to the end just across the square. What about me? said Loreline, yelling from inside the bakery. I never get to go have drinks at the Sarda. Stop listening in, said Marley. We're just trying to protect you from the sort of folk that hang out there. Yeah, like him and his boyfriend. I'm not sure being Nicolay's assistant is something to celebrate, said Marley, turning back to Quasi. Can you imagine having to do what he said all day? Marley imitated a nasal voice. Oh, this bronze is so salty. I read in Spain they have a different kind of sheep that makes better cheese. Get me one of those. I wouldn't last a week. Quasi laughed. Well, Eon is buying the drinks, so there's that at least. In that case, I'll try to clear my schedule. Quasi bowed to Marley, then turned to walk back toward his house. As he rounded the corner, a horse pulling a cart veered off the road and nearly ran into him. He leapt back against the building and shouted. 
Marley watched the cart's driver, Nea Eugen, steer the horse back onto the road and slow it down. He seemed to be talking to it. As he got closer, she heard him say, I know, I see her too. Just like you said, stop it, stop it, I won't. You just stay back. He turned to look at Marley, then back into the square, then sped off. She cocked her head, thought for a minute, then went back inside. Leaning against the tree in the town square, a figure wearing a white cloak pulled off her hood, tracked Eugen as he rode away, then resumed watching the bakery in silence. We should get you caught up, said Eon. While you were gone, Vasily wrote this story and some songs to go with it. Every month or so, he comes into the Zarda with a new bit, and everyone gathers out in the square and listens. He's told four parts so far. Vasily was a Romani man who lived near the village. He had a mop of dark hair and big, tired eyes. It wasn't typical for a Romani to be allowed to eat and drink with the rest of the villagers, but Vasily was an exception. If you needed something that no one in the village had, he was the guy to ask. He had a network of friends and traders who could get their hands on practically anything, and Vasily only asked a small markup. The Sarda was a convenient place for him to meet with people to arrange his sales, as well as a good venue for his music. It starts with Roman, said Kwasi. He was a prince and was supposed to be crowned king, but then his father's rival took over and exiled him. His sister, Lavinia, comes with him, and they recruit a crew. There's Sarah and Ekaterina, they're twins, and maybe let's just do the broad strokes, okay, said Eon. Short version, Roman and Lavinia get a ship, but they wreck on an island where a fairy queen rules. They meet her and eventually pledge to serve her. And she has a daughter, Svita, that Roman wants to marry. Oh, and she lives in the fairy castle, and she's not allowed to leave, but she's been sneaking out to see Roman and go on adventures with the crew, said Kwasi. Eon coughed. Speaking of living in, um, castles? No, said Kwasi. You're not going to. You're not moving. Not all the time, but... But Nicolay wants you there more so he can ring his little bell for you. Just while I get used to the job. Marley, say something. Tell him he's not allowed to move into the castle full-time. Eon, you're not allowed to move into the castle full-time, said Marley. What, Quasi? It's his job. It's not like he's going to start being proper friends with Nicolay. Oh! A thought occurred to Marley, and she couldn't hide her shocked face. You're going to have to start calling him my lord or something, aren't you? Quasi broke into laughter. Ugh, Domnul Nicolai? Uh, no, Dom Nicolai? He and Marley laughed. Eon had little choice but to let them have their fun. Marley looked around the inn. A number of people were talking and having drinks. Tante Angela was chatting with Nea Eon, whose laugh was easily distinguishable above the noise. Gabriella was trying her best to keep everyone's glasses full and wishing her mother were spending more time helping and less time gossiping. From more than one table, Marley heard Dracula, or Transylvania. No one had seen the Count since he arrived the first night, and everyone was dying to know what he and Domnul Negerscrew were up to. They'd be finding out soon. Earlier in the day, word had gone out that they would both be speaking Sunday evening, and the entire village was invited. A few times she thought she detected a pair of eyes on her. Curiosity over the Count's prolonged visit had at least taken some of the pressure off, and her return from Transylvania was no longer the talk of the town. By now, everyone who was going to ask about her time at the Dance Academy and about her leg had done so. Cornell's death was still a prominent topic as well, of course, but no one wanted to say werewolf out loud. The Count's men had been around all week asking questions at the behest of the Ispravnik, and being interviewed a second time was not something anyone wanted. In the corner, Nea Eugen was sitting by himself. He had a mug in front of him. Gabriella brought over a steaming kettle and refilled it. Marley saw him say something to her, then look abruptly to one side. His eyes widened, then he turned his head away for a moment, then glanced back in the direction he'd been looking, like there was something he didn't want to take his eyes off for too long. Eon, you said Nea Eugen was with you last week at the Privegia for Cornell, right? He was. We played Paz and Peasants for a while. Stefan was there most of the day, and Nea Eon came for a little bit. Cornell's father and uncle, obviously. Father Abraham, bunch people. Your dad brought snacks. Was he drinking? We all were. People brought over bottles of all sorts of stuff. Oh, he made tea, also. 
brought his own from home. I had some. It wasn't like normal black tea. He said it was from China. It was good, not bitter. Did he act strange in any way? He got a little drunk, I guess. Strange how? Like, talking to himself? Not that I saw. Why? Excuse me for a minute, will you? Marla got up from the table, went over to Neyujin's corner, and pulled back a chair with her cane. May I? The man seemed startled to see Marley, but he stood, smiled, and nodded. Marley sat, then pulled his cup toward her, leaned forward, and smelled its contents. Green tea, she asked. Da, said Neyujin. Had some years ago from a friend who'd been east on his ship, and I got the taste for it. I'm guessing you only recently started drinking it again? Year or so ago, I had asked Vasily, and he tracked down an oka of it. How did you? Tell me about what you've been seeing. Seeing? It's still small, I'd expect. Dark, like a shadow, only it has a form. A cat, maybe, or a large bird. He looked over Marley's shoulder to the place he'd been staring earlier. Nay, you, Jim? Is it here now? I don't... I thought it was. The look on his face had been confusion, but now she saw a measure of fear as well. He seemed unwilling to raise his voice above a whisper. Has these eyes. Give me a few days. I think I can help. Help? Does it say things? Sometimes. Try not to listen to it. And let's stop drinking tea for now, okay? Marley put her hand over his and gave it a reassuring squeeze. I think it's going to be okay. Just give me a few days. While she'd been gone, Ian and Kwasi had ordered and eaten most of a plate of Shiftel meatballs. Marley rejoined them just in time to take the last one. They chatted for a while more, then noticed that the crown had started to thin. It's probably time to go outside for the show, said Ian. Fifty or so people had gathered in the square in front of the Sarda and were continuing conversations from inside or greeting those who'd just arrived. Marley found a crate to sit on by the inn's front wall, and Ian Kwasi stood next to her, watching the activity around them. To the left, they saw three riders approach. All wore long, black cloaks. Oh, they came, said Ion, smiling. He went to them, helped them tie up their horses, and brought the men over. Marley, Kwasi, may introduce Friedrich, Wilhelm, and Pavel. They're members of the Order of the Dragon. I suggested they might want to come down and watch Vasily's performance. The three guards each shook hands with Kwasi and kissed Marley's hand. How is the investigation going, asked Ion. We went to the last of the camps today, arrested several more, and took them to the cells in your castle. Do you think any of them killed Cornell? Evgeny is going to question them. I'm not sure we know. Usually someone will talk once a few days in the dungeon go by. Vasily, a guitar slung in his back, appeared in the crowd and stood up on a box in the middle of the square. Even though he was elevated above everyone, Marley was too short to see him well. She poked a yawn and said, Help me up. He and Kwasi steadied her so she could climb onto her crate, where she was able to get a better view. Vasily began, Welcome, friends, and thank you. Today I have a new adventure for the crew of the Vimana. As you, I'm sure, recall, last time our captain, Roman, had fallen in love with the fairy queen's daughter, Svetlana. He was able to best the queen's finest archers by picking up the golden bow that none of them could lift, and was the first to shoot the ghost bunny, which is only visible in the moonlight. The queen gave him permission to court Svita, who transformed into human, but they're not married yet. Before there can be a wedding, the queen has asked Roman and the crew to solve the mystery of the golden apple thief. Vasily took the guitar off his back and sang about how the queen had a tree that grew delicious oranges, but whenever they became ripe, someone would steal them in the night. The queen said that if Roman could catch the thief, she'd allow him to marry Svita. It was similar to an old Romanian folktale in which the heroes rescue princesses from giant Romanian Balor dragons, but in Vasily's version, when Roman and the crew discovered that the Balori had been stealing the fruit, it was to feed them to maidens they had freed from the queen. They were taking the oranges because these golden apples gave the women super strength, and they wanted to raise an army to overthrow the fairy. Roman and the crew decided to join rather than slay the Balari, siding with them against the queen. The crowd was shocked by the subversive term, but cheered when Svita declared that she didn't care about having her mother's permission and the dragon prince presided over their wedding. As Vasily neared the end of his story, Marley's feeling of being watched returned. 
Looking around the crowd, she finally saw what she had been missing. A woman, wearing a white cloak with the hood pulled up, was staring directly at her. Marley realized she'd seen the woman earlier, in the square, but like a dream that fades after you wake up, the memory of it had vanished. It was the same woman who'd come to her nearly two years ago and extended the invitation to study in Transylvania, Margareta. She met Marley's eyes now and nodded. Marley had been expecting someone to come. She felt a strange sense of relief now. All this time, since she returned home, she'd been waiting for it. Now she was here. Would she have time to go home and say goodbye to Tata, Loreline, and Dora? Or would Margareta find her as the crowd dispersed, grab her by the arm, and lead her directly to a coach? Vastly's story ended, and the audience started to applaud. He smiled and thanked everyone, and got down from his box. People started to head back into the Zarda or to their homes. The woman in white remained still, watching Marley. Then Marley heard one of Eon's friends, the Count's guard, say, There, in the white robe, like the Count said. Eon, you'll excuse us, said Pavel, and without waiting for a response, the three men walked against the direction of the crowd, directly for Margareta. Marley saw the blonde one, Friedrich, say something to her. They were too far away to be overheard, but she saw him point down the street to where their horses were tied, then up to Castello Argus. They crossed the square, and Friedrich offered Margareta his horse, which she mounted. The other two led her away in the direction of the castle, with Friedrich walking alongside. Marley sat down in her crate, realizing that Eon and Kwasi had been talking. Wonder what that was all about, said Eon. I was hoping they'd stay and have a few drinks. I wanted you guys to have a chance to talk with them. They have a lot of stories about Transylvania. Who was that woman they were with, asked Kwasi. I don't know. She's not one of the Count's people. I've never seen her before. Want to go back inside, Em? asked Kwasi. Marley was still looking off in the direction Margaret had gone. When she didn't respond, Kwasi said, Hey, Blondie, you with us? She turned back to Kwasi, then looked past him to the few people still standing around the square. She saw Nea Yujim, who was holding a glass of what looked like wine. He seemed less distressed than he had earlier. Let's go back in, yes. There's something I want you two to help me with. What's the job, asked Kwasi. Funny you should ask. I need to get a book, only the owner isn't going to want to lend it to me, so I need you two to help me borrow it. You mean steal it, said Yon with a grin. Borrow, we'll give it back. Who has this book, and where is it, and why? Don't worry too much about the why. As for the where, said Marley, I need you to help me rob the church. This chapter was originally published in September of 19. In the chapter poll, readers were asked to help fill out some character details about Father Abraham. It's been decided that he's from Styria, which is now part of Austria. He's in his early 40s, tall and very thin, has dark hair, dark eyes, wears round spectacles, and plays the violin. If you'd like to participate in reader polls, you can download the Wallachia app for free from the App Store. If you're enjoying the story, there are also buttons at the end of each chapter in the app where you can leave a tip. You can follow Wallachia on Twitter at WallachiaNet or on the web at Wallachia.net. Thank you for listening. Next time we'll follow Marley and Eon in their book heist, and Negruskuradu will make a speech.